From the nation's capital to the Sunshine State. It's compelling. The high plains of Kansas and the northeast corner of the land of enchantment. It's Friday. The land of EWTN all across the Lone Star State. It's GRN Alive. Bringing you faith, fun, and facts. Live from the studios of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Join us on the show. Call 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. Good morning. Welcome to GRN Alive Friday edition here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Uh, Conversation has already started here in the studio. We're having a great conversation. Glad you could join us here at the top of the hour for this uh, weekly GRN Alive. We also do it on Mondays from our Houston studio. Joe and the team do a fabulous job. Uh, We're glad that you were with us. If you want to join in on the conversation at any point during this hour, 877-757-9424. My name is Dave Palmer. I'm already out of breath. Boy, I'll tell you. It was all that that early jog. (laughs) Yeah, right. I wish. Uh, Cecil Anderson, behind the glass for the first part, comes out this way after the show. Good morning, Cecil. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. Did you know I discovered something this morning, Dave? What did you discover? I discovered when I was in haste to get out of my bed that I can still go in the splits. (laughs) Well, is that right? Yeah. It hurt was a little it bit. But accident? Oh, yeah. it was accident. It was <laughs> accidental. I li- I'm on the top bunk, and I jumped out a little too Ooh. roughly, and I may have left some clothing on the yeah. floor the night before, and went w- all the way down. <laughs> I, I think if that had happened to me, I'd be in the emergency room right now. So uh, you're more limber than I am. That's good. So that's good. God, glad you're with us, uh, I, uh, Dr. Malloy. How are you? No, I'm not doing the splits. <laughs> I'm doing well. I just had to have something special to say. You know, I don't yeah. wear a bow tie. I don't wear a cap. I had to have something. You know, you can do the. Splits. On, I'll on do a Facebook. flip next week. Oh, okay. All right. And uh, Alex okay. Trevino has his uh, customary uh, hat. The hat of the week. Yeah. You're like gonna your bow tie. I love your the bow tie. tie. By the way. Yeah. Good multicolored yeah. bow tie on Dr. Malloy. And uh, you want to share what your hat is, or is it a secret only for no, people who no, go on no. Facebook? Well, go on Facebook and look at it. But no, it's okay. Um, it's a Notre Dame hat. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, it, you know, ties into some things this week, but also our, our guest at 8 30. Yeah, um, yeah. Eight, eight, that we had together. At, oh, yeah, eight, eight thirty and eight yeah, fifteen. Because so. I think our sorry. actually all the guests this week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even think about that this morning when I put it on. And all then right. I realized walking in. Yeah. All right. Go to Facebook. Diane Xavier does a splendid job with our Facebook, and oh, we may be on Twitter. We were having a few issues with Twitter this morning, but uh, go to facebook.com uh, forward slash grn online. I think it is. The handle is grn online, and you can see all that's going on behind the scenes. And today is October 16th, 2020, Friday of the 28th week in Ordinary Time. And uh, today, and I, I left this as a secret even to Dr. Malloy and Alex, today is, and we got some audio that Cecil's going to play here in a second. Today's the 42nd anniversary, you know this. Yeah, yeah. Do you know, Dr. Malloy, 42nd anniversary of what? Humanae Vitae. No. Uh, no. No, no. It was the 42nd anniversary of this. Now listen to this. This is commentary about what happened 42 years ago. It's awesome. Eminentissimum acreverendissimum dominum, dominum carolum, sancte romane ecclesiae cardinalem boitiva. As far as we can understand, the Cardinal 
Felici has just announced the name of a Polish cardinal. Am I correct, Father O'Keefe? This is exactly correct. This is Cardinal Charles Wotiwa, who is 68 years old, and he is the Cardinal Yay. Archdiocese of Cracovia. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. So then the commentators were like, wow, did you that's hear, amazing. Did you hear he had to say Voitia? Yeah. He yeah. whispered it. Right. So he started out Carol, and then here in the background, Voitia. Voitia. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know some of us were too young to remember or be alive during that time, but uh, do you remember that? I, no, I don't remember that, but about uh, six months later, he was in Chicago, and I threw a paper airplane at him. <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> That's I, I a legacy know. right my, there. My folks take, take us to Chicago. We're at a street corner, and he's just tooling around. I mean, <laughs> there, there were no bodyguards or anything back then. Yeah. So he's yeah. driving through the streets of Chicago, and they're like, here's the Pope. And I'm, I, I was like, I don't know what a Pope is, but I'm going to throw an airplane. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, that's the first thing you think of. Course. That's our secret service. That's your fascination with theology. Right? Exactly. And three years <laughs> later, it would be the assassination attempt, yep. and then all the innocence was lost after that. Wow. The same year as uh, Ronald Reagan. So, thought I'd share that with you. Uh, awesome. Happy memory. The crowd was going wild, and of course, uh, the world really came to know this incredible Polish uh, Pope Karol Wojtyła uh, over the next uh, what twenty six years as Pope or something like that. So, uh, happy memory there. Uh, uh, you, you know, we have. Now I wanted to start off with that something, something happy and joyful. But <laughs> the theme of the show today is divided hearts of America. Mm. We're going to talk about we are a deeply, deeply divided country, and I don't think anybody is surprised when I say that. We're going to talk about, a little bit about uh, the town hall meetings that went on last night, uh, some of the controversy with uh, the media, social media giants, and what happened this week. Uh, we have uh, Jason Jones. Uh, joining us at the bottom of the hour, and he has put out a movie by that name, Divided Hearts of America. And this is something you arranged for us, uh, talking about the abortion issue with uh, football star Benjamin Watson. That's right. Yeah, yeah. They just filmed this documentary over the course of a couple months, and they are releasing it either pretty soon or they just released it. But Jason, I guess we'll tell you a little more about that. Mm-hmm. And then uh, here in about 15 minutes, uh, attorney Frank Valenzuela is going to join us to talk about this week's uh, confirmation hearing with Amy Coney Barrett, uh, the woman whose uh, the dogma lives loudly in her, mother of seven, Catholic, adopted two children, and everything. Uh, it, it was not nearly the, the circus that the Kavanaugh hearing was, and uh, thanks be to God for that. And so uh, Frank's going to join us and give his take. He's also a former student of Amy Coney Barrett, and so we'll hear his uh, first-hand take on what he thinks about her. I'm sure it's positive. <laughs> and so, anyways, uh, let, let's... Uh, you never know with the lawyer. Uh, yeah, yeah, these guys. So, anyways, uh, let's talk a little bit about divided hearts of America when it comes to politics, when it comes to media. I mean, it, it's it, it's crazy. I mean, I, I, just the fact that we had to have two town hall meetings last <laughs> night and not a debate is indicative of mm-hmm. the division within America. I mean, the fact that they couldn't even get together uh, yeah, in one stage for whatever reason. But it was pretty It was crazy. the COVID, right? That, that, uh, that was part that of it, was for sure. It, but yeah. the doctors had cleared Trump. To, I mean, hmm. he, was yeah, there, wow. he was there with people. He was there yeah, with yeah. Samantha, Samantha can, Guthrie. That stage is big enough for two people. It's <laughs> so, big enough for three. What's the story on it? Was it, it was going to, they proposed a Zoom, and then he said, no, I'm he not, not doing Zoom. He did not want to do, yeah, he didn't want to so do So then telecast, they cancel yeah. it, and then he gets better. 
well, he he got better within a, a week. I mean, he was out uh, on the campaign trail. I think seven or eight days after being diagnosed, but his, his but double his, negative test came in like what early this week? I think. I think mm-hmm. so. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's probably what the Democrats were waiting for. And uh, so, <laughs> how about the third debate? Is that going to happen? That's next, oh, next, next Thursday. Week? Yeah, next yeah week? that's next Thursday. Mm-hmm. That should be in person. But uh, there was also a lot of talk about the fairness between the tone between the two debates, the moderators. Uh, Samantha Guthrie with NBC, it seemed almost like a debate with her and Trump. She asked 44 questions. The town hall people asked 10. <laughs> and then on the other side, in ABC, uh, George Stephanopoulos and Joe Biden had a pretty friendly chat. It didn't seem to be too many challenges. So mm-hmm. a lot of people are raising that question is, what is, is the media contributing to the division in America? Mm-hmm. I don't know. What do you think? Fireside chat. With <laughs> Stephanopoulos. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I mean, oh, sorry. Uh, wh- what about this? So I guess you got the thing up on your computer. I guess Cecil's going to be talking about that. I mean, the way they're covering these other things mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. And it's also, I find it so interesting that they ran simultaneously. It's like, it's not like they're competing TV shows. Yeah. This is our presidential you know, year of we're voting right, like this. Right. They, we should have opportunity to watch both of them and not have to switch between on commercial breaks. Yeah, that seems weird. Yeah, it does. It's you like, know, it, yeah. it goes with uh, the way Facebook works because you're, mm. you're 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 like you're in your segregate. You're in your little community. Oh, They're in their community. It's it's part of this divide and yeah, create ghettos through the. Yeah, and, and, and one of the things, of course, when we talk about Amy Coney Barrett's hearing with uh, Frank Valenzuela in a moment is, is the country irreparably divided? Right. I mean, is there anything that could possibly happen to bring us together? I mean, maybe mm-hmm. if there was a foreign enemy that came and attacked us, like 9-11, that would bring us together temporarily. But uh, it just George seemed, Floyd could have. I mean, that, that, yeah, that, that could whole have been incident. something that could have brought everyone together. Yeah. We were just about there yeah. that whole week. I feel like week. it did for a week. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, everybody agreed that it was egregious. It yeah. was wrong. But then the riots started. Then, yeah. then yeah. everybody takes it, goes crazy with it. Mm-hmm. If you have a take on this, uh, what's it going to take? I, I personally think abortion has a lot to do with it. I think abortion is the issue. It's what kind of centers around all the Supreme Court hearings. Uh, Clarence Thomas made that point. He said it was all about abortion with me. It wasn't Anita Hill. 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. And the other... Uh, uh, well, Sister, I know you were going to introduce a few stories as well. Yeah, so um, you may have heard this week that there is some talk about censorship going on on Twitter and Facebook. And this has been going on for a little bit, but it was pretty obvious this last week. The New York Post um, is one of the country's uh, oldest and largest newspapers. It was founded by Alexander Hamilton, if anyone wants to start singing the song <laughs> right now. Yeah, Alex, Alex go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> never seen a minute of Hamilton. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, Alex. <laughs> if it comes into town, let's get tickets. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, I, we'll will, I only want to watch it live. I think no, I think it would be amazing. I'm a purist when it comes to theater. I only watch things live <laughs> in person. I can't watch recordings. Uh, I see. All yeah. right. Um, so... <laughs> <laughs> it is uh, from what I've like been able to read. It seems it's a little bit more of a right wing um, news outlet, but it on Wednesday it released a um, story about Joe Biden's son um, Hunter Biden about the traded his father's positions by securing favors from the vice president of the Ukrainian energy company, um, and it was you know it was a pretty hot topic this week. But interestingly, both Facebook and Twitter are having some restrictions on people sharing that. Yeah. And um, Twitter particularly, like, wouldn't let people share it on some cases. And anyone who dare bring it up, even people who support Biden. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, it's just really interesting because um, one journalist, uh, I can't find her name right now. Oh, uh, Maggie... 
Haberman from the New York Times, who has heavily criticized Trump. She's definitely not like a Trump lover because she mentioned it and was pointing out its flaws on Twitter. She started being called like MAGA Hammerman and Haberman and stuff like that. It, it, and it was censored. And, and yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah, it's into the the point is, is it seems like everybody has to fall into one camp right. or the other. You know, you mm-hmm. got to either be really Republican or really liberal, really conservative, really liberal. Yeah, there's, there's no, there's you, no can't, ground. you cannot criticize anything at all. Yeah. And the thing is, is that no one's perfect on either side. So, yeah. yeah. Are you not allowed to criticize on uh, against the right or no. the alleged alt-right so that's an interesting point i don't know that's a great question because i i haven't seen anything censored that was criticizing but but and getting back to the media yeah. with like last night uh i mean trump, trump continues to be asked these questions about white supremacy QAnon. Mm. i mean whose life is being impacted by QAnon? or uh, lives are being impacted by black lives matter and antifa more so a month or two ago than now, but QAnon? Well, why is that a legitimate question at debate? And the Hunter Biden story didn't even come up. Did not even come debate. up, and yeah. that was huge one. this week. And so the very questions, and I think about Catholic radio. I mean, we're we're biased. We are, you know, uh, unapologetically Catholic, and mm-hmm. there are some things we let on, some things we don't. But uh, but we're on it. That's that's what we say we are. We're, 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 we're a Catholic radio station, yeah. so we're not going to let the atheist have a show on why God doesn't exist, right? <laughs> We're not we're right. not fair and balanced, but I think there there should be some presumption with media that they should be well, uh, balanced. I say I don't I, I I don't like that way of putting it. Fair and balanced. We're mm. we're truthful. We believe this is the truth. So we're not uh, what is it? Not we're not refusing to take a, a, a re- refusing to take a stand. Yeah, yeah. On issues that doesn't mean we're not. Fair and balanced. Yeah, yeah. I'm using a Fox line, I guess. Uh, I know that's the... <laughs> that, we, you, we report, you decide well, or the, something. <laughs> there's a lots of, uh, you know, basically the movement of thought now, and there's a risk to this, but the movement of thought now appreciates that there is really no such thing as a purely objective, right. you know, neutral account, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. but, but that that news has yet to get out into the. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. yeah. Well, I think you know, in our individual lives, the uh, the the more holiness we pursue, the better we mm-hmm. live our lives individually. Exactly, uh, that can start making changes. The better husbands and wives and people and employees we are, and they maybe just maybe it's on a very micro level. You know, we can't try to solve all the world's problems and bring peace, but uh, just kind of kind of. Be good ourselves. Mm. Maybe there's something there. Let me bring on our first guest, uh, who is Frank Valenzuela. And Frank uh, has been on the program a number of times. It's been a while. And uh, I'm, I'm assuming, Frank, you're, you're still at the same uh, law firm that you were before. Is that is that right? Unless you know something I don't. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'll say it once because it's a mouthful. Fanning, Harper, Martinson, Brandt, and Kuchin. Uh, there right. you go. And uh, he's also... Uh, a former student of Amy Coney Barrett. Interesting. Yes, Tell us yes. about that. Uh, well, uh, Judge Barrett was my evidence professor when I was at Notre Dame Law. Okay. Uh, evidence is a really important class if you're going to go into litigation. Yeah. Uh, because it, it it teaches you how to present the facts, create the world for the jury um, when in a, during a trial. And it can be complicated and it can be convoluted because some of these rules have developed over centuries. And she made the complex easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was a she was a pleasure to have as a professor uh, and very effective. How many years ago was this? Was it recent? Uh, no, oh, a long uh, time. Dave ago. wants Eight, to date you. Uh, no, I, I know where this is going. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'd say about eighteen years or so. It was oh, okay. a first year teaching. It may okay. have seventeen, eighteen years. Uh, yeah. All right. 
So let's talk about the week that was. Yes. And, uh, you know, everything kind of wrapped up, I think, yesterday. And That's right. the, she went through a line of questioning. My first observation, and I want to get your general thoughts about it, is that it wasn't the circus that the Brett Kavanaugh hearing was. You didn't have the public disruptions. You didn't have the craziness. Maybe that was related to COVID. They just weren't letting the public in. That's right. Uh, it was much calmer. I mean, that's a that's an understatement than the Kavanaugh hearings. It was much calmer, though, though the the Kavanaugh hearings, the first part of the of, before the Judiciary Committee was not um, I mean, it was interrupted by protesters in the background. But the, um, the 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 large conflict that we that, that later erupted in those hearings came after the original judiciary hearings. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yes, due to covid, they weren't allowing any protesters or uh, any um Anybody to sit in the audience during the hearings. Yeah. So I think that probably cut down on some of the interruptions. Mm-hmm. And obviously there was not as much personal attack. It seemed like most of the attack came down with uh, the Affordable Care Act, Roe v. Wade, or uh, the, 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 the gay marriage ruling, Augerfell Ag- versus uh, Hodges. That was kind of the, the, the three-prong attack, though those three, would you say? Yes, the, I, I think those were the, the major... Uh, the major thrust of the attack. I think that when Judge Barrett, back in 2017, when she was up for the nomination to the Seventh Circuit, I think uh, Senator Feinstein's um, anti-Catholic commentary and attack toward her, the, the dogma lives loudly in you, uh, I think that did not play well. And I think that there was a concern that with this close to the election that it could alienate some voters um, on the Democratic side of the aisle and perhaps galvanize those on the right. Um, so I think they – it seemed to me they – generally speaking, they, the senators steered clear of, of those topics. Mm-hmm. But she's a very good nominee. Uh, she's very likable. She, she, she carried herself very well. She's yes. a hard person to, to not like. She, she is. I mean, she is unbelievably well qualified, very, very intelligent, and that's from both the left and the right. Uh, they acknowledge that you know, her, her um, academic credentials – and her accomplishments as a judge. So, and, and to boot, she is just a very likable person with a very, um, uh, sort of, uh, family friendly background. And it's, it's hard to attack somebody like that. Yes. And, uh, I'm sorry. Did you have a question, Alex? Oh no, oh, I, was, oh, okay. I was just watching this back and forth. It was great. I was just I was spectating for a yeah. little bit. <laughs> I did see CNN. They they commented. CNN. They they talked about the Notebook. The blank notebook. Oh, yeah. And then they, and then the, the uh, lady said, in any other president at any other time, she would get 70 votes easily. Yeah. Right. And, and back in the, back in the 80s and maybe early 90s before, before Judge Bork, she would have gotten 98, 99, or 100. So is that right? So before the Bork, this was a lot less political. I, I believe. Well, even I, I, I think that Justice Scalia was something like 98, 98, votes, 98. 98 votes, and he came. He was the I believe he came after Bork. I don't remember yeah, that. Hard to believe. So what's changed? I mean, we're, though the theme of the show is divided hearts of America. We're divided. I mean, hugely. And uh, is it abortion, or in your opinion, or what changed? I, I, these have become much more contentious. I think in the past it, there was an understanding that if the judge appeared to be qualified. As from a from a judicial standpoint, in other words, they 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 said they were going to be a judge and interpret the law, and they weren't going to you know be particularly activist. If they were quali- a qualified person to sit on the bench, they were let through by the yeah. left and the right. But I think after Judge Bork and then uh, Justice Cl- uh, Thomas, it's it's sort of been knives out yeah. as far as 
you know, from a practical standpoint, are you going to overturn Roe? Are you going to overturn Casey uh, and, and then the other decisions? Mm-hmm. Have we seen more activism since that time? Judicial, like sort of quasi-legislating from the bench? or It's, it's hard to say because the philosophy of judging has changed a lot over the decades. So you had the Warren Court – uh, back in the the sixties and seventies, and and they, I think, many would say was were very activist. Hmm. Um, but then with Justice Scalia, he, with his push for originalism and textualism, really uh, initiated a significant sea change on the court to the point where Justice Kagan, during her nominating um, 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 confirmation process, you know, she said, "We're all textualists now," because Justice Scalia's emphasis on reading the text and sticking to the texts. Um, uh, really move the court toward a, you have to be able to justify this based on the text. Hmm. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that Justice Kagan and Justice Scalia agreed on everything. They certainly didn't. Sure. But at least his push, um, I think, helped to ground the analysis more. How he, many votes did she get? I'm just interested in... I, I, I don't know. <laughs> okay. Who's that? Kagan? Kagan, yeah. Oh, uh, well, gosh. Gotcha. I think it was bipartisan, but I, I don't okay. know how many she yeah, got. Yeah, Lindsey Graham yeah, voted yeah. for her. That's what he said. But you know, even, yeah. Well, so well, I'm saying, this is interesting because the Republicans tend to not uh, go as much along party lines, I think, on a lot of these issues. And they also don't uh, treat the, the nominees as unfairly. I mean, I don't think there's been a case that we can think of, like a Kavanaugh or an... Uh, 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 Clarence Thomas, or you know, uh, that were treated as poorly on the other side. You know, I I, I can't help but think. You know, I, I think Judge Barrett is truly a wonderful, holy, God fearing Catholic woman, and she just seems. But you get, but she made a very clear distinction that when she is a Supreme Court justice, if she is confirmed, she's going to follow the law. And I can't help but thinking, and this is just an opinion question on yours. You know, if if the law is Roe v. Wade and she wants to follow precedent and she, she probably legally could, isn't that still on one's conscience? I mean, that you are you are responsible for the death indirectly of millions of, of children. How how can a judge, in your opinion, separate those two? Well, they're competing obligations, I think, because when she takes an oath, when she takes the oath to to uphold the Constitution, she's taking that oath before God, and so there's an obligation that she takes on herself. In that respect, yeah. but then she also has the the um, the obligations from a personal standpoint of the, the moral obligations from a personal standpoint. So I, I I would not even begin to presume to to say what she would do in those particular instances or what or what she should do. Uh, those are many times highly fact based situations. Um, but I do believe she's written a law review article specifically on that point, and that and it is said that ultimately. If a judge cannot find a way through between the legal obligation to do what the law requires because she would be a subordinate judge, in other words, not on the Supreme Court, uh, and a moral position that she cannot, she simply cannot take, um, that that such a judge should recuse herself Mm -hmm. from such a situation. So, for example, during the Seventh Circuit confirmation hearings, she said that she would have a problem being a federal district court judge. And um, citing somebody's death warrant through a federal criminal procedure, that yeah. she did not think that morally that she would be allowed to do that. And so in such an instance, 
uh, you know, she might very well recuse herself. At the appellate level, though, those are not the issues you're looking at. For example, with the death penalty. Mm-hmm. There, you're reviewing, was the evidence appropriate? Did the judge properly analyze the law? You're not deciding whether somebody lives or die, in, yeah. in her example. You're more looking at whether the the district judge got it right. Yeah, yeah. From a moral a theology standpoint, I, I just – and again, I'm not questioning her because I think she is a, a wonderful woman. But I just wonder if somebody could say, you know what, um, President Trump, I can't be nominated for this because I would have to be honest in the questioning that abortion is wrong. It's an intrinsic evil. And yes, I would absolutely vote uh, because Roe v. Wade is, is a wrong law, you know, but you can't say that because you're done in the it, process, right? Are there any judicial uh, decisions uh, or opinions that have been written uh, at any level that would point to something like this? The law of the land, the Constitution, you probably had Professor Leopold de Alvarez, right? Yes. So he gave a, a, a talk one time at University of Dallas that talked about the unwritten Constitution, are there, are there any decisions um, that point to the law of the land that is, or might be indicated, set, say, by the Declaration of Independence, by the very oath that, notice how you took the oath. The oath is to God about upholding the law, but it is to God indicating a kind of higher authority. Is there anything like that in the history of this country, or is it just recusing, judges recusing themselves? I... I, I um I'm not aware of anything like what you're describing, but that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. I will say that uh, Judge Barrett was asked about the role uh, – I believe she was asked about the role of the Declaration of Independence. Um, or, or, if, and if it wasn't her, it was another judge who I, I heard this week uh, speak. Um, and I think uh, – no, actually it was Judge Barrett. And, and she said the Declaration of Independence is obviously a tremendously important document in the history of our nation. But the Declaration itself is not law. The Constitution is what is law. And um, between the two, insofar as there is conflict, there wouldn't really be because the Declaration is not law. You would go with the Constitution. So it's interesting because in the Catholic um, tradition of of social – moral teaching you you have this reference to god there is a there is a law above human um institution and uh that i i guess that it's interesting because you know who could who could actually pass a hearings who adverted to that tradition but yeah and it's it's a uh, other it's a, nations it's a, have, have have operated according to that yeah yeah but we and, don't and and you know it, it it because of the way that the constitution is structured i think that judicial nominees very much have to try to separate them their own their personal views whether they be religious or philosophical or whatever from reading the law yeah um, yeah. Let me, uh, yeah, I, I took it in a, in a direction that, that question just popped into my mind about that. But I want to ask you, uh, on a, Senator Lindsey Graham made, made a point of saying she is the first openly pro-life woman to ever be nominated to the Supreme Court. And he complimented her on that. I thought that was nice. And you may have also heard the, uh, Senator Dianne Feinstein, the open mic comment that she made. And yes. just maybe a comment on, on either of these senators' comments. Feinstein said, uh, quote, she's been pro-life for a long time, so I suspect with her it is deeply personal and comes with her religion, end quote. Right. Uh, on the face of it, I don't see any problem with that quote. It's true, right? Or, no, uh, I, what, I, what do you think she was getting at there? I, I think that, uh, again, I, Senator Feinstein, I'm sure, can speak for herself, but but what I, what I assume that she's saying is acknowledging maybe perhaps what Senator Graham was saying, uh, that on a personal level, 
she's pro-life, she's Catholic, and she holds those views. But so do all the justices who sit on the Supreme Court and who have ever sat on the Supreme Court. They all come to the court with their own beliefs, uh, religious, philosophical, you know, um, political, and you're talking about one whole integral person. It's not like you're going in, you're you're, you're dividing yourself up. So the fact that that uh, Judge Baird is coming to the court as a Catholic woman does not any more disqualify her than it disqualified then Judge Ginsburg coming as a Jewish woman. Yeah, the, in the United States, in the system we have, there are no religious tests to sit on the Supreme Court. Um, and and so just because she's Catholic and the other one's Jewish and you know somebody may be atheist or Episcopalian, under the Constitution that doesn't make a difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where do we go from here? Do you think it's uh, going to be smooth sailing and a vote on the 22nd and confirmation or, or what? I hope so. I hope so. Uh, the, the senators get to submit written questions to the to, to Judge Barrett uh, up to 8 o'clock tonight, I think. And then she gets to respond to those. And then on the 22nd, I believe it's at 1 o'clock, there's going to be a vote in the Judiciary Committee. And then it goes to the full Senate. And my understanding is, is that uh, Senator McConnell wants to have the final vote by no later than – I believe he said the 27th or or so. Yeah. Uh, Senator, I think Cory Booker was the one that said several times, uh, this goose is cooked. Have you heard you say that? I think meaning that we have, we, we, there's nothing we can do about this. Is is that the case? I, well, I, I I think that if you asked uh, Justice Kavanaugh, you know, after his, the first round of Senate confirmation (laughs) hearings, he, you know, he may have been making the side dishes for the goose and, and it didn't really turn out all that uh, smooth. But uh, by all appearances, it looks like they have the vote. Senator Romney came out yesterday, I believe, and said that he was going to vote uh, for for Judge Barrett. And I think, in my mind, from a political standpoint, stepping away from the legal commentary here, that's a pretty good indicator. Uh, yeah. Because if Senator Romney does seem to be more um, middle of the road, I, I guess mm-hmm. you would say, in, yeah. in the Republican Party. And if he is saying that he's going to vote for her, um, you know, that's a good indicator that that it's going to happen. Yeah. All right. Did you have a last question, Dr. Malloy, or uh, are we finished with a witness? <laughs> <laughs> well, how about giving advice to any parents out there who have children that might be thinking about law and, and maybe becoming a judge? It seems that uh, Judge Barrett has done really well to be professional. Um, I doubt there's a Facebook record of her just spouting off, but all of the young kids are out there putting all their personal views out there in a way that may harm them. Sure. And that is definitely a concern across the board, whether you're going to be a judge or anything else. Yeah, uh, colleges yeah. are looking at social media and whatnot. Um, and uh, again, Judge Barrett, no doubt, could give much better advice than I can. Um, but but it, it depends. She, in large part, I think, is a product of the Notre Dame Law School. I went yeah. to the Notre Dame Law School. She went to Notre Dame Law School. The Notre Dame Law School is a very uh, special place. Their moniker is educating a special kind of lawyer. I'm sorry, educating a different type of lawyer. Um, we saw Patricia O'Hara, her professor and mentor. She was the dean when I was at the law school, mm-hmm. Dean O'Hara was. And I still remember to this day, the first day we were there for orientation, that she said here at the law school, she said, I'm paraphrasing obviously, here at the law school we teach law keeping in mind that the incarnation actually happened. Nice. Oh, wow. And 
the Notre Dame Law School, we have there, – there's mass every Sunday. There are priests on the faculty. There's a chapel. I think it was the first academic building with a chapel on the campus. Um, it is a – we have cruci- – they had crucifixes in the classroom. I assume, suppose they still have now, obviously. It's a little, a little dated. <laughs> um, but it is – they do a wonderful job. The faculty there does a wonderful job of, of – of, uh, educating a different type of lawyer it must have been fun to watch the process and say that's my teacher i, I know her that's but, right yeah so yeah yeah she, she is an amazing uh woman i think hopefully she's going to make an amazing justice and uh we just you know uh those who support her uh, i would encourage them to keep praying for her and her family yeah Great she, she mentioned that at yep. the beginning that uh she appreciates the prayers and that was one of her first i think opening statements is i, I think there there was a lot of prayer going on and it showed because she was calm and cool and very collected and, and very bright too frank valenzuela thank you so much thank you i'd uh, love to have you back on again uh, if sure. any other legal issues ever come up in the near future with any <laughs> anything related to our country i doubt they will but if I, dave's on the hot seat I, yeah that's right <laughs> we'll call you back in i uh, appreciate it very much thank you very All much. Right. Uh, Jason Jones is coming up next, and he has uh, put out and produced a wonderful movie. I haven't seen it yet, but I'm excited, and and I've seen the trailer. It looks really interesting. That looks awesome. Divided Hearts of America. And so we'll talk to him about that. And uh, one of the issues that continues to divide this country is abortion. It may be the issue. I I think, in my opinion, it is. Uh, We'll be back after this. Is the Lord calling you to be a missionary? Hi, Joe McLean here, and the Guadalupe Radio Network is calling for rosary missionaries to join with the GRN in praying for very special intentions. Would you be one of them? Log on to grnonline.com forward slash missionaries. Together, we can bring the power of prayer to bear on a dark world in need of the light of Christ. Log on to grnonline.com forward slash missionaries. Solidarity HealthShare is rebuilding Catholic healthcare in America. We conform to the moral guidelines of the Catholic Church so you never have to worry about your healthcare dollars paying for anything that violates your conscience. From conception to natural death, we strive to serve all healthcare needs, protect human life, celebrate families, and promote the dignity of all people. Join Solidarity HealthShare in restoring and rebuilding authentic Catholic healthcare by signing up at SolidarityHealthShare.org, a sponsor of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Paragraph 2239 of the Catechism makes it clear, we must vote, but there is a catch. Hi, this is Len Oswald, President of the GRN with this week's Family Minute. We have all heard it said, as Catholics, we must vote our conscience. True, but have we formed it through the teaching of the faith first? According to the Congregation of the Doctrine of the Faith, a well-formed Christian conscience does not permit one to vote for a political program or an individual law that contradicts the fundamental contents of faith and morals. There are five non-negotiable issues which must be considered before others. Abortion, euthanasia, embryonic stem cell research, human cloning, and homosexual marriage. Why are these five issues more important than the others? Other issues are also important. However, these five are always intrinsically evil. According to the teaching of the church, there are no circumstances where these five can be considered acceptable. Get informed before you vote. Download the Voter's Guide for Serious Catholics at catholic.com. All right, we're back. <laughs> and uh, a lot of talking goes on during these uh, breaks. Uh, 877-757-9424. I've had some comments on the 
Facebook page already. And just a reminder also that we do an after show just on Facebook. And there's one big uh, story that I found on LifeSite News having to do with media, having to do with the COVID pandemic, the lockdowns, the face masks that uh, we don't, I don't think are going to have time to talk about during the regular radio program, but I'd love to bring it up afterwards. And so anyways, the phone number again, 877-757-9424. We appreciate uh, your comments and very, very happy to be joined now by Jason Jones. He is a film producer, author, activist, human rights worker, executive producer of the 2006 film Bella, which uh, won several film industry awards and uh, the People's Choice Award in the 2006 Toronto International Film Festival as well. And uh, he's got a long, long bio, but I want to actually get to him and bring him in because uh, he has uh, recently put out a movie called Divided Hearts of America, a documentary featuring NFL star, author, and activist Benjamin Watson, uh, which is uh, has been released nationwide this year. Jason Jones, good morning. Great to be on your show. Yeah, thanks so much. Gosh, where do we begin? I know you're friends with Alex, and thanks, Alex, for arranging this. Uh, when, when did you we're, guys... We're acquaintances. <laughs> yeah. Hi, Jason. How are you doing? Are yeah. you disassociating? fighting words. Jeez. Oh, man. Yeah, dude. Welcome to Texas, are bro. You, are you going to deny him three times? <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Jason, let's just get straight to it. Uh, this movie, um, I was at the Heroic Media event earlier this year, March 6th, I remember it, because it was the day craziness struck. Uh, it was the, the last event. That we had in Dallas, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. and there was Crazy. a screening of it, uh, and and I and I was kind of you know d- d- very distracted. I didn't get to see the whole thing, but uh, tell us about the movie. Tell us about sh- how you connected with uh, Benjamin Watson and kind of the purpose and inspiration behind it. Well, you know, when Governor Cuomo lit Freedom Tower pink to celebrate New York's uh, signing a bill in New York that legalized abort protected, quote-unquote, the right to abortion up to birth and after birth, it was startling. You know, it was really stunning. And we wanted to respond with the film. But we also knew that, you know, the 2020 election would be a very divisive time in our history. We never, never could have imagined that we would be in a place that we are now. But we wanted to make a film that would really unite this country to show the secret of uh, the origin of our unity and tell that story through the issue of abortion, which is the third great denial of our founding principle. And our founding principle is actually the source of our unity. So we set out to make this documentary. You're right, COVID for filmmakers, for everyone, obviously was an incredible challenge. And so by the grace of God, we were able to finish the film and get it out for the fall. And so it's out streaming now. If you go to movietomovement.com and uh, you can click right there and Stream the movie. It's streaming. We've partnered with Salem Communications, so it's streaming at SalemNow.com as well. Yeah, and the the film uh, features uh, like thirty different interviews, and they aren't all like minded people. And so, was it Benjamin Watson going around and interviewing people, kind of on different political angles, to even people who are would consider themselves pro choice? And I know that's always a challenge, you know, when you're trying to get different perspectives, but still kind of push your own opinion. So, how, how did you how did you balance that? Well, you know, I think the truth is on our side, so. We didn't want to set up straw men and knock them down. We wanted their very best arguments presented as clearly as possible from the most attractive spokespersons that they could present. And, you know, Benjamin's a special human being. I don't know if you follow him on Twitter, 
but he has this way of having what I call Twitter discussions. You know, everyone else is having Twitter battles. And then there's Benjamin Watson having these discussions on race, on abortion with people from all over the, the spectrum in a kind of a civil way. And so through, you know, because of Benjamin Watson, we were able to, to secure a lot of interviews. We interviewed the two senators that introduced the bill in New York um, that allowed abortion up till birth and after. And he had very, you know, civil conversations with them, and that's in the film. And, uh, you know, what we realize is they don't really have a, a leg to stand on, other than, you know, the culture of death is the spirit of the age. But um, I'll tell you, in one of the interviews, I won't say who, we were interviewing someone from the other side, and as they were speaking, I, I could see their staff behind the screen, the, you know, the screens for the lighting, and they were just... The girls couldn't control themselves. They were giggling and rolling their eyes every time their boss opened their mouth. And uh, so, you know, there's not a good excuse for allowing abortion up till birth, but they really tried uh, their best. And, and it just comes really down to positivism. They really do believe that as legislators, they determine what is right or wrong, what they say is so. And if they say, you know, Liz Kruger, the senator from New York, said said it, basically. If we say the baby in the womb has rights, the baby in the womb has rights. If we say they don't, they don't. We say they don't. So they don't. She says it matter-of-factly. And uh, doesn't deny the humanity of the child in the womb. She just says that we as lawmakers are the ones that decide who has rights. And, of course, our nation was founded on, on the belief that every human being has inalienable rights that they have this dignity that doesn't come from the state but comes from their creator and that's what makes us special as a nation that is the source of our unity we're the only country in the history of the world founded on a vision of the human person really founded on anthropology and that's the christian understanding of the human person first revealed through the jewish scriptures but revealed in a more striking and startling way that changed the course of human history when the second person of the trinity became man and philosophers and theologians and people just trying to understand what that meant. That's where the, our, our civilization was birthed. The West was birthed, this very unique civilization. I don't know if you've seen the movie Mulan, Alex, or the, the rest of the gang there. The, the new one? Is that the new one? Yeah. Yeah, the new one. No, I have was, You know, well, we were officially boycotting it, but I wanted to write about it, so I watched it. <laughs> and, uh, but what was striking about Mulan, it was a very Chinese movie in the sense that the hero, Mulan, was an agent of the state putting down a rebellion of a distant, occupied land. How different is that from, say, one of our movies, Braveheart? So it was really almost the opposite of Braveheart, which is really striking to me. But that's the difference. You know, our civilization was birthed. The West was birthed um, with this understanding of the human person. Uh, in a very explicit way in the Declaration of Independence, our republic was birthed on this vision of the human person. And we have no other choice for unity other than statism and terror. Uh, either we acknowledge the truth about the dignity of the human person or we're organized through tyranny because we don't have a history, a shared history as a people. We don't have a shared ethnicity. We don't have a shared... Uh, we don't share the same religion, um, so all of us. So what, what is the source of our unity? It has to be something else. Speaking of not being shared ethnicity, when I 
Alex was still trying to take me to the Alamo. I just want everyone to know I punched him really hard. And said, <laughs> Remember the Alamo. Oh, boy. <laughs> you know, uh, and by the way, Jay, Jason Jones is uh, joining us. We're talking about Divided Hearts of America, the, mo- the new movie that he made with Benjamin Watson, uh, NFL star from the, the New England Patriots. And, uh, and you can go to movie2movement.com, and you can also find Divided Hearts film on Facebook uh, as well. And I, I guess... The thing that perplexes me, Jason, and everybody here is, uh, you know, we we still at this point in the 21st century uh, have people running for office that support killing babies in the womb. It's like if somebody were to run for office and say, I'm a racist, it might have worked, you know, 60 years ago. It doesn't work now. So that changed. That issue was changed. And, and th- thank God it did. But we got to get to the point where no legitimate candidate for office could ever run and support abortion. And I wonder if what you're doing and with, like you say, Benjamin Watson's personality, uh, maybe this, this is how we move the needle a little bit. Yeah, you know, um, I'm a, a great admirer of the Catholic anthropologist Rene Girard, or the anthropologist who happened to be Catholic, Rene Girard. And, you know, he writes about the spirit of the age and what he called the mimetic contagion, these enthusiasms that are bizarre segregation was bizarre like we look back at it and it was bizarre slavery was unimaginably bizarre abortion is bizarre it's unimaginable but these enthusiasms these spirits of the age there are catholics listening right now and they're, and they're listening to this network they pray the rosary they go to mass but they think we're a little off by being so focused on abortion that abortion is a bad thing but you know maybe it should be legal we don't want to impose that da. It's bizarre. They've been swept away by the spirit of the age. Uh, he, you know, Rene Girard says, the only thing more powerful than the spirit of the age is the Holy Spirit. And when these enthusiasms come, and we've seen it in the COVID and the responses to COVID, when these enthusiasms erupt, it is really amazing to see how many people get swept away. Yeah, especially and, this um, COVID thing. is, is the, the COVID response is an epidemic. And very bizarre. I like that yeah, word. Yeah, 250 million people. Uh, David Beasley and the World Food Program, by the grace of God, are there. And they were just given the Nobel Prize. Um, but this, this COVID shutdown um, is, you know, we have a quarter of a billion people on the verge of starvation because of the response to COVID, not because of COVID. Yep. The thoughtlessness to that, you know, the thoughtlessness to the Uyghur in concentration camps or the Armenians today facing another genocide at the hands of turkey and the world is silent and so every age has its enthusiasms but here's what's great about the the grace of being catholic is through the sacraments through sacramentals we we have this grace not to conform to the spirit of the age and that's why there's nothing more repugnant than to see catholics who do conform you know what is the gospel the gospel is in, 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 in its social dimension, is standing with the truly vulnerable, yeah. not feigning concern for the vulnerable with everyone else at the same time. Uh, that's that's virtue signaling. That's well what Gerard would call victimism. That's feigning concern for the vulnerable, for wealth, for power to sell ne- sneakers. So Nike virtue signals for Black Lives Matter. Well, their shoes are being made by slaves in concentration camps and Chinese occupied. There you go. Right. Right. Um, we got to have you on more often. Yeah. You know, I, I want to say, I love what you're doing. I think and, Guadalupe Radio should just give me your 
show. It's late. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. You're going to can yeah, us. Yeah, the truth is out. It's a staged coup. <laughs> <laughs> right, uh, I set it all up. Alex, you're going to take over. There you go. I got you. I got you. <laughs> you know, I, I think um, I'm just here on uh, on Twitter, and uh, I'm sure you we, we all agree we, we love and respect uh, Bishop Strickland from the Diocese of Tyler. Uh, it's my first tweet every morning is Bishop Strickland. First tweet every morning. Yeah, and you know, and, and I think there, there's there got to be a spirit of, uh, in, a, in a good sense, argumentation, dispute, even among uh, hierarchy about some of these issues. And you might have seen that uh, Bishop Robert Barron from Los Angeles put out uh, four principles for Catholics during election season on Ward on Fire. And Bishop Strickland tweeted this morning and said, in, in response to Bishop Barron, he said, "I this is Bishop Strickland writing, I add an overarching issue. Both parties are flawed, but the Democratic Party not only supports abortion, but advocates for it and supports the Planned Parenthood industry built on selling parts of unborn children for scientific research. This tips the scales, he wow. said. All right. So, I and mean, unnatural sex. Yes. As well. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's over the top on that, on that, um, with those candidates. Mm hmm. Yeah, and a platform, whereas it's not. Well, can, I, can I break that down just real quick? Yes, please do. Because this is, you know, I make movies, but as Alex will tell you, I, I don't really make movies. I, I'm a filmmaker, but filmmakers are an instrument of my apostolate. I run a Catholic human rights organization, and our mission is to advance the interests of the vulnerable from the child in the womb to the Yazidi in Iraq. And so I'm often in these countries. So my heart is in these countries, because these are actually my friends. You know... When we look, we've never seen it, and I was almost a never-Trumper, as Alex can tell you, in 2016. I was distraught. But when I look back at the behavior of this man over the past four years as president, ISIS is gone. The, the Christians and Yazidis facing genocide have been liberated in Iraq. Um, the, the, his political appointees at USAID and the World Food Program have been the only ones in the world trying to, to stop this horrible famine that the New York Times puts on page B-16. I mean, how do you put 250 million people starving on page B-16 on a Tuesday? Um, he has not gotten into any wars. He's actually stopped the neoliberal establishment's push for war with Iran, war with Russia, and war in Syria. We shattered, you know, Biden administration uh, and Biden-Obama administration shattered Yemen, uh, shattered uh, Libya, shattered Iraq, abandoned Iraq, sought to shatter Syria. Um, so from food security to standing with the Yazidis, the Chaldeans, the Assyrians, the Uyghurs, the Nuba, this administration has really been the best. Um, and, and the problem is there are too many Catholics that, that are thinking about what people think about them. And this goes for people in the hierarchy. We need to love more than we worry about what people think about us. Amen. At the end of the day, I don't care what you think about me. Um, and if, if, if you think something about me that's true, that's not good, I'm glad. Please express it so I can self-correct. And, you know, we've, we've seen people in the hierarchy who've been swept away by the spirit of the age. But, you know, this is the sadness. When we're swept away by the spirit of the age, it leaves the most vulnerable abandoned. Because the spirit of the age is weaponized against the vulnerable. So it, it, what we need to do... Is, is be at the foot of the cross at every age. So in 1954, we need to be marching against uh, for desegregation. In 1939, we need to speak out against anti-Semitism. Today, we need to speak up for the Muslim Uyghurs in concentration camps in East Turkestan. We need to stand with the child in the womb. And, you know, and it is such a grace to stand with the vulnerable of your age. Uh, Rene Jordan, I'm sorry for giving a Gerardian lecture here, but he says... When you stand with the vulnerable, you become indistinguishable from the vulnerable to the vulnerable 
are from the mob. They can't tell the difference between you and uh, the, who they're attacking. What a beautiful thing to think of, that if you stand with the vulnerable, you become indistinguishable from the vulnerable. What a great way to live a life. That's the Christian way to live your life. Yeah, it's and a great so I point. want to live a life indistinguishable from the child in the womb. And Jason, I can, you know, after knowing you for 10 years, I can... I know that you're somebody who does that. You live that out, and it's so awesome to see. Um, you know, you were talking about COVID and how it sort of fast-forwarded a lot of these things. It fast-forwarded a lot of things for your family as well. I mean, you lived in Hawaii for so many years, and uh, as of, what, two months ago, you are now a, a proud Texan. Uh, yeah, you know, I it was, feels a lot was, better yeah. being in Texas with you, There's I can say. There's a lot of people moving to yeah. Texas these days. <laughs> yeah, so why, why, why'd why so you do that, Jason? Talk about that, yeah. Well, there are Hawaii license plates, by the way, all over Hill Country of Texas. We're all moving here. So, uh, <laughs> That's it, awesome. You're building your own Hawaiian commune here in, in, I, I, in, in yeah, New Braunfels Hill we're, Country. We're, 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 we're not only taking over this radio show, we're taking over Texas. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, there'll be Hawaiian music is the bumper music starting tomorrow, guys, so stay tuned. But, um... <laughs> No, you know, I was, uh, I don't know if you saw, I was in handcuffs on the front cover of Drudge Report, which is a great way to fill up your email <laughs> inbox. You a lot of phone calls. Yeah, that's great. But I led the first reopen event um, in Hawaii, and I was the first person, I think, in the world arrested at a reopen event, and then Drudge put it on the front above the fold. But for me, you know, Hawaii is, is the lockdown is supposed to end today. Can you believe that? Wow. They've been locked down since March completely, Wow! and it's supposed to end today. There are lines for food seven miles long, cars lined up. We have had zero COVID deaths. About 120 people with COVID died. Uh, they had comorbidities. Um, but the suicides have been – I couldn't stand to see my own state die, and I would not allow them to imprison my family. So in June, we decided to sell our house and deploy to Texas for my apostolate. <laughs> but we'll be back – We'll be back to Hawaii. But like I said in early March, and Alex, you probably remember, I mean, I was writing this in early March that the reason I was leading a, a reopen event in Hawaii was not expressing my First Amendment rights, which I have the right to do. It was, as I said then, I'm more worried about the people in Bangladesh and the people in Africa that I think that this is going to lead to famine. And in fact, it did. I predicted a quarter of a billion people this year, and the World Food Program is now saying the number's a quarter of a billion. New York Times reported it a quarter of a billion two weeks ago. So it, because I, I've, you know, I've written two books on genocide, democide, and total war, and um, when governments clamp down on the economy, they, they forget. The Great Famine in China was simply caused by Mao not letting people farm. Same thing with the Khmer Rouge. You don't let people go to work. You don't let them grow food, process food, and distribute food. People starve. Now, it's not going to slow us down. We're going to have our big gulps and eat our big bags of flaming hot Doritos while we Netflix <laughs> and whatever. But what's going to happen is that the people on the margins, the people that barely had enough calories in the best of times, um, we're going to be pushed over the edge. That's exactly what we're seeing. Jason, let me let me because we just have <clears throat> pardon me a few more minutes with you, and I don't know if you saw this story. I, I found it on LifeSite News, and I just want to uh, get your take on it. It says, uh, re, and, and this I think has to do with media influence. I, I can't imagine anything else. It says Republicans are ready to return to normal, but Democrats aren't. New poll suggests, and for uh, some pretty striking uh, statistics here, they asked people, "Are you ready to return to normal activities right now?" Five percent of Democratic men said yes. Sixty-four percent of Republican men said yes. Three percent of Democratic women are ready to return to normal. Fifty-four percent 
of Republican women are returning. So it seems to fall along uh, political lines, and I don't quite understand why that would be the case. Any thoughts on that of why just because somebody might be liberal or left-leaning, they, they're more in, in, in favor of, of lockdowns and shelter in place and face masks and all that? What, what, what do you think is behind that? You know, I don't know, but I'm going to cut that out and put it on my refrigerator. If my children ever ask me again why they're not allowed to court <laughs> Democrats, I'm going to say, look at that study right there. Yeah. Here's your answer. No, I, uh, it's, I have to really look at that and think about that. My next, my next movie is actually on the shutdowns. That's very intriguing. And I, I, I don't understand where that's coming from. I think a lot of it might have to do with godlessness. The one thing I've learned about all this is, you know, when I do my little trips where I travel to Iraq or Sudan and people around me get so worried, I'm like, just relax already. What I've learned from this is people are really afraid of dying. Um, I mean, they're really, and, and the less they believe in God and the less they seem to be enjoying their life, the greater their fear is. Um, I'd, like to, I'd like to see how that, I'd like to see maybe a poll on people who believe in God and, um, yeah. you know, that, because if you look at the facts, like in Hawaii, we've had over 700 people die of the flu, um, with the flu, and 120 die with COVID. Um, no, they don't have this horrible fear of the flu, but yet they're afraid of COVID. But the flu has killed more people in Hawaii this year. Um, you know, that study, is, it's very telling. And it's, it scares me because if Biden is president, elected president, he's going to have... A lot of folks that are going to support him and his commitment to shut us down for a year. Yeah, yeah. Shut us. Who would vote for a guy that's like, I'm going to shut your economy down for a year? Yeah. And by the way, the impact on this country will be devastating, but we are going to see a billion people starve to death if you shut this economy down for another year. Jason, uh, we got to go. There's the music. MovieToMovement.com is the website. The story I just uh, referred to is at LifeSiteNews.com. Jason, it was a great conversation. Thank you very much for your time. Appreciate it. Oh, Aloha. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. And uh, we're going to hang around a little bit. I'll give some more statistics from that study, and we'll discuss it. Cecil will join us, and we hope you will as well on Facebook. Thanks for joining us, and have a wonderful rest of your day and weekend. God bless you. Thank you for listening to GRN Alive from the studios of the Guadalupe Radio Network. For more faith, fun and facts, join our email list. Just text the letters GRN to the number 42828. That's GRN to the number 42828. And may your Friday be filled with the joy of the Lord. Blessed be God, blessed be His holy name, blessed be Jesus Christ, true God and true man, blessed be the name of Jesus, blessed be His most sacred heart, blessed be His most precious blood. Blessed be Jesus in the most holy sacrament of the altar. Blessed be the Holy Spirit of Paraclete. 
Blessed be the great Mother of God, Mary most holy. Blessed be her holy and immaculate conception. Blessed be her glorious assumption. Blessed be the name of Mary, Virgin and Mother. Blessed be Saint Joseph, her most chaste spouse. Blessed be God in his angels and in his saints. KATH 910 AM, Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth.